Two quick announcements before we start this episode of the podcast. First off, there might be a few curse words in this episode, and by might, I mean there are. If your kids have been to a football match, they've definitely heard worse, but just be aware. Secondly, I want to point out that another South Coast club earned promotion this week. So congratulations to Brighton and Hove Albion for being promoted to the Premier League. Pompey, off, you're still in League One. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed your Easter it looks like in the UK you had an Easter Monday or a bank holiday Monday, so I hope you all enjoyed and took advantage of that. I did as I'm on spring break, and I contacted Connor Dunford, and we had a, a chat yesterday about uh, the weekend, about the city game, and about uh, some articles that he has written. So Connor will be my guest today. You can find him on Twitter at Connor Dunford one. That's at Connor Dunford, and then the number one on Twitter. Uh, he writes for the Southampton panel and also for Saints Marching. So be sure to check both of those out. Links to everything are in the show notes as usual. Um, start back on Good Friday. Uh, had a bit of a, of, of a weird day. Woke up to a text message or a, a Twitter message, I should say, uh, from a guy named Jin Salveson, uh, who runs a radio show out of Manchester. And they wanted to uh, have a quick chat uh, with me about uh, what I assumed to be the match. And so I got on there and then all they wanted to talk about was where Virgil van Dyke was going. And um, when I seemed to think that he was going to stay at Southampton, they they really laughed, and then our conversation um, was pretty much over after that. Although not before I foolishly predicted a two-two draw uh, with City, which obviously did not come true. Uh, so that was fantastic. But now I know how my guests feel when I contact them and ask them to come talk to some guy they've never met in a country they've probably never been to. So uh, yeah, that was fun. Anyway, other news. Uh, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SFC Del Ivery. That's at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. And I know not everybody is on Twitter. Uh, a lot of my friends only use Facebook. And uh, the show is now on Facebook. I am one of the last people probably on earth to actually get a Facebook account. I held out for uh, you know several years. But anyway, the show is now on facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. That's facebook.com forward slash SFC D-E-L-L I-V-E-R-Y. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. Be sure to like the page, share the page, find a Saints fan that's maybe not on Twitter and uh, introduce them to the show and they can stay up to date with what we have going on. So all that being said, Connor and I talked for some time. Uh, we will go through the city match. We'll go through one of his uh, articles. Uh, we'll go through and predict the points we think we're going to get for the rest of the year. And uh, that'll pretty much do it. But we talked for some time, so I don't want to take up too much time here. But before we get to my interview with Connor, I'd like to remind you to visit the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt from the We Are Southampton page on Instagram does the logo for the show. He's also been a guest on the show. Uh, he's a big supporter of the show. So be sure to get over there and check out the match day edits, game day polls, competitions, and more. So all that being said, here is my interview with Connor Dunford. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at Connor Dunford one. He writes for the Southampton panel and for Saints Marching. <laughs> 
So we'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Connor Dunford. You can find him on Twitter at ConnorDunford1, and he writes for the Southampton panel and for the newly established Saints Marching account. So Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me on this uh, Monday afternoon where you are and Monday morning where, where I am. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Oh, no, no problem. Um, just real quick, it's raining here in California, which doesn't happen very often. What's the weather like currently where you are? It's actually really nice today. I mean, I'm not in Southampton. I'm, I live in Salisbury at the moment, but it's only kind of 30 miles away. But it is, it's a pretty nice day today, to be fair. <laughs> nice. Um, what? How far away? You said about 30 minutes. Is it? Is it north or, or what's the direction on, on that? It's not down towards Portsmouth, is it? No, it's the complete opposite direction. I, I wouldn't go any closer to Portsmouth. This <laughs> <really is. laughs> good, good enough for me. Well, like I said, uh, uh, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. And uh, we have lots of lots of stuff to talk about. Maybe not the happiest news to talk about, but it's all it's all there. Uh, I, I guess before we get started with uh, the Man City match and all that stuff, you are a season ticket holder. Uh, how long have you been a season ticket holder? And uh, you know where do you sit and all that stuff? And what I don't know. I, I have some questions about you know what goes into choosing where you sit. Is there a specific section that that people like for certain different reasons, or what? What can you tell me about that? Um, well, I've had my season ticket for three, four seasons now, uh, since I've pretty much got a full-time job and could afford it. Um, I sit Itchen North, which is uh, to the left of the away fans. Um, and I only went there because my friends were already sitting there. Okay. It's, it's kind of a... if you, you can go on the Saints website and they describe the different sections of the stadium. And it's it claims to be the, one of the most vocal and passionate areas, along with the Northern, which is the opposite side of the away fans. I think Northern is the place where people prefer to go. It's got that kind of history to it, I guess. Okay. But, I mean, it's, I'm one of those that doesn't really agree with the layout. I don't, I don't like putting the away fans between the two most vocal sections of the stadium. It'd be nice to group them together and have almost like a, like Liverpool have the cop. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's anywhere near the, the same level, but, you know, that's a, is a the nice a- idea. Is the idea then from Southampton to try to drown out the uh, the away fans with that? I can't think what their thought process was. It kind of drowns us out, if I'm honest, because the away fans are always vocal. Whenever wherever you go, our away fans go away, and they're phenomenal. Right, as you probably hear when you watch it on TV. Yes, yes. Um, but no, I just I prefer to have one big vocal section as opposed to splitting it up into two. And so you, you said you've been there for three or four years. Is this, uh, you have this, you get the same seat every year or just the same section or how does that all kind of, kind of work out? Yeah. You get the same seat every year. We, when we can renew kind of a month before a month ish before everyone else can purchase new season tickets and you reserve your seat, you can change your seat as well before anyone buys a one that's available, so to speak. So all right. I think I was stuck in the same seat for, for I'm actually going to change next year, but only like the row behind. So I'm sat next to all my friends rather than in front of them. So you don't have to turn around. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a bit of a crick in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so if you if you can't make it to a match, how do you go um how do you go about, you know, do you do you sell your ticket to somebody else? Do you yeah, how does that work? A lot of my uh Sunday league team that I play for are Saints fans that don't have season tickets. So it's, there's always someone who will take it off you. Okay. But if not then if it I think if it's sold out, you can sell your ticket back to the club and then they'll sell it on to someone else i haven't actually had to do that this season i've 
I've only missed the West Ham game at the beginning of February. Okay. So, um, yeah, I haven't had the experience of that yet, but yeah, it seems like there's always people looking for, for tickets on, on Twitter on the, and then there's the, the ticket exchange. People are always, it seems like people are pretty good about, about trading and finding and yeah, it's pretty easy to move it on if you need to. Maybe not when you play like the the West Ham's and the West Broms because they always seem to be the, the very boring games. But it's easy enough normally. Yeah, well, I mean, West Ham maybe this time wouldn't have been so bad because his font was coming back, and we were hoping just to give him a a bad day, but it didn't didn't really happen. <laughs> no, no, I didn't go to plan that one, did it? You, it? We talked about it earlier before we started recording you know, that you're not a full time writer; you're an engineer, but you have started writing for the Southampton panel and for just saints marching just very, very recently. What, what kind of got you into that? And, uh, what kind of stuff do you like to write? It was kind of a, a hobby, a pastime. It's something I always, when I was young, I always wanted to do sports journalism, but I didn't have the dedication to stick through at college and university and such things. And then, but you made it, through, you made it through engineering though. <laughs> I did an apprenticeship for that. So it was oh, okay. a job okay. money at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> <was> enough. The key. <laughs> Um, and then obviously Twitter come about and football is huge on Twitter at the moment. And it? it's, it's almost got its own little section, hasn't it? And it's just the opportunity arose. I saw something to panel were looking. I was like, I'll give it a go. Give it a go. It went, it went okay. It's gone okay so far. I mean, I've only done three or four articles in total. I'll see how it goes, but I'm enjoying it. It's nice to get your opinion across. People don't always agree. I'm not expecting people to agree. I'm not going to unite. 32,000 plus people but um <laughs> it's nice it's nice to get things off your chest because you end up just arguing with yourself you, you'll probably understand living in america but in southampton you tend to you've got a lot of southampton fans but you also have a lot of fans that don't uh, supporters of united chelsea arsenal same as all over the world and it's it's hard to find people to talk about southampton with that care <laughs> yeah yeah and especially you know you're living a little ways away from the from the city now. So maybe it's even, I would, I would imagine the further you get from, from St. Mary's or from the city center, the the more fans you have, especially of the bigger clubs. Is that kind of how it works out? As Southampton, we're quite lucky because we've got, a, for, for the size of England, we've got a relatively big catchment because, you know, Pompey is the closest one, which is 30 miles away. Bournemouth is probably the same, the other direction. And you go in North, Reading is the closest. Okay. So we've got a red for, for this, size of club we are we've got a pretty big catchment area for fans i think but um yeah you're probably right that people tend to go for the i've got a friend my one of my best mates is a united fan and he's never not from there never lived there just just chose them <laughs> see like i understand that though because i i kind of live between two big cities and so i don't have a hometown team and where i live is kind of we're on the cusp of like a lot of people are either Dodger fans or Giant fans when it comes to baseball, or Forty Nine er fans. It used to be Ram fans or whatever, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of makes it weird because I can choose whoever I want because I don't have a hometown team. So, you know, mm. I went with Houston and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because when the Rams left LA the first time, when I was you know however old, it just broke my heart. I saw what it did to my dad. I was like, that's never gonna happen to me. Chose, <laughs> chose a team on the East Coast. They can't get any further away. <laughs> but. You know, they, they're terrible. So whatever. That's uh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, uh, okay. So I, I think I interrupted you, but you, you, you kind of said it's, uh, it's relatively new, but you're kind of, you're, you're enjoying it. It sounds like, you know, 
and and you said you weren't necessarily looking to unite everybody and and uh, you had the one article on uh on Stephen Davis for Hoiberg um you want to maybe you gotten a little bit of feedback from that but what what was your you know what were your thoughts going into that uh, you you wrote down that you like Stephen Davis a lot he's been a favorite but you just kind of think it's time to move him on or what what were your what were you thinking on that it's not necessarily what I mean it's it's quite frustrating the feedback we got because like six months ago I was so pro Stephen Davis I was like you, you can't you can't not play him he's he's pivotal for us and then I don't know it it, it might be kind of Puel's tactics that were a bit more uh, boring is the word that comes to mind but we're very safe and it's just I think maybe I've taken my frustrating out on Stephen Davis but he's thirty two. He's, I'm pretty sure he's made it perfectly clear he wants to go. He would go back to Rangers. He was club captain there before we uh, took him on. Um, and you know, Hoiberg is—he's got the talent. He's—he's going to do it. He's going to be a good player. And I look at Prowse and the, the progress he's made playing consistently. And I—I don't know. I'm just—I understand what people are saying that Davis is now the better player, but we got nothing to play for this season. And that was my kind of thought process. Okay. And yeah, as you said, it hasn't. Uh, it's definitely divided opinion. I've been slated, called clueless, and then some people have said it's bang on. So, but that's what you get with it, isn't it? I'm not expecting to to please everyone. Yeah, you know, I don't like to like rock the boat too much, but sometimes you have to, and sometimes you just have to say what you what you feel. And if people don't like it, people don't like it, you know. And I, I think looking at it pragmatically, you're, like you're right. Like he is 32. If he wants to go back to Rangers, he doesn't have that much longer, you know, to do that. So. It's and it's kind of like you know we saw with Stevens this year. It, it's going to take people time to to get up to the flow of the game and to to kind of work out the mistakes and stuff like that. And you got to let Hoiberg, you know, make those mistakes and and do those things if he's going to really be the player that we want him to be, you know, eventually, right? Because I think he's too old. I mean, you're not sending Hoiberg out on loan anywhere. He's 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 at that point where he's got to either stay here and improve it or, or go somewhere else. And I think we all want him to to stay because I think we all recognize that he does have the the quality to to be a really good central midfielder i mean yeah and i'm not saying like sell Stephen davis i'm not wishing he go back to rangers he's right 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 he's a good player he, he'll be do a job for the team and you know i mean there was a, a poll was around by the panel saying drop him yes no or play both and it was interesting that then played both <laughs> the next day and uh, like as we've said before we recorded hoiberg did me no favors at all but <laughs> Equally, equally, no one did themselves any favors. So um, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I, I stand by my opinion, and I, and I think that's, that's that really. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so I guess that's a as good a segue as any uh, going into the game from from Saturday. Uh, you got this was the one that was televised. You know, always in the U.S., but everywhere I think in the U.K. So looking at the at the lineup and stuff like that going into the match, how did you how did you feel about uh, how kind of how Puel set up and and you were there, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was I was there. I don't, I don't know. It's difficult because we've got a lot of injuries, but the key was Gabbiadini. <laughs> he was. It didn't turn out to be a much of a, a good game for him to play, but we need him on the pitch. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Shane Long. I like his work ethic and stuff, but if West Brom was key when he's just not confident enough to finish chances at the moment and this is actually the first time I've seen Gabbiadini play live because I missed his debut in the West Ham game as I said previously okay. and I was I was in the Caribbean for the whole of February so I missed <laughs> I missed the League Cup final I missed 
I miss everything, everything. And then we had that phase of not playing many home games, right. not playing at all, really. So this is the first time I've seen him, and it was quite frustrating to, for him to have a game where he couldn't um, be at his best. I mean, we, we just couldn't get him the ball. We just couldn't. Very few chances that he was actually on the ball to, with the option to do anything really productive, right? No, yeah, yeah. One, one run early in the first half, which was he got behind the defense, pulled it back, and Tadic blazed it over. Yeah, as he has done many a time this season. But that—that's the kind of thing I've heard about, and it's nice to see it. It's, it reminds me of what um, Jay Rodriguez was like before he had that what seems to be career-ruining injury. Yeah. So, um, but there's more to come from him in there, and he's—I think he, him, and Van Dijk. He, key for us that that run that you're talking about that was you know we went through the first 10 minutes or whatever where we just you know it was pretty clear what the game plan was you know set up defend well stay organized and then hope to get a chance create a chance and i had talked to some people from from manchester uh on friday and they they were kind of under the impression that you know we were really going to give them a game we were going to have a chance and i i was worried that we weren't going to create very many chances just at all and that was before Gabby Dini was declared fit and all that stuff so I was a little worried that we were going to be able to 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 have a chance to really score any goals Uh, and their kind of thing was well if you get a shot then it goes in because Bravo can't stop anything and I that did give me some hope but um, we we really just did not create I think we had one shot on target and it was Yoshida late on and it was a header straight at him so you know it's it's frustrating yeah it's well it was one of those games we couldn't get a foot on the ball Rebeu is another one, actually. I forgot about him. He's a massive, massive player because he, he does all that. He stops the game. He breaks it up, does all the tackles, but he also retains possession very well as well. And I think him doing that and passing it around because we tend to do the the centre-backs, give it to Romeo, Romeo then spreads it out or out to the full-backs and such things. But right. he's a massive, massive miss. Massive miss. Yeah, and it... I was really worried when we were missing him for West Brom because I, I, I felt like that was a game we had to kind of win. You know, that was, that was in that three game run of, of, of matches where we should be taking, you know, the majority of the points. And we did, to be fair. Um, we took seven of nine from those, those three fixtures, but then also coming into to city, that's a, you, you look up, it's like, you're looking up at that, this big task in front of you and you don't have necessarily all the options or all, that you would want. And I think that was pretty evident. Uh, the announcers or uh, the commentators here on NBC were like, you know, this Southampton have to be at their absolute best to be able to compete with City, and you know, not having Romeo on the pitch, not having maybe a fully fit Gabbiadini. Um, he came off at sixty minutes, but who knows why? That you, you're not really giving yourself a chance at that point. No, and I mean, you don't want to take anything away from City. They were they played very, very well. Um, Leroy Sane proved why you pay forty two million pounds for some players, didn't he? Yeah. He is phenomenal. He is going to be some player. He Cedric is no no schmuck, but he terrorised him all game, I think. And coming inside and giving Hoiberg and Davis things to think about, it's just, I think he was the key for them. And it proved it because we were very lucky forced to go a touch on that ball in the first half. That's the opposite end of the stadium to me. Okay. So our hearts were in our mouths. We were... <laughs> We're like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I I had mentioned to you that I was not able to watch the game live, um, and so I was, I you know, my phone was on silent, but my brother is like looking at me down the aisle, going like, check your phone, check your phone, and like the first picture I see on Twitter is like a 
Forrester's giant hand and Sané's shins. And I'm just like, oh my God, what's happening? You know, but uh, then then there was the shot where it looked, you know, it looked like Forrester's hand was pretty firmly on the ball, but like, or not firmly, but he, he the fingertips were there. So it didn't go. And I saw, I saw something that Sané said, yeah, that was the right call, whatever. But I think what Sané did, um, because he is so kind of electric going forward that he kind of takes Cedric out of the, out of the offensive attack somewhat because we have to be so worried about him, about Sonny going the other way that, that uh, Cedric has to think twice about going forward. And, and I think that really hurts us because I think Cedric and Bertrand play such a large role in our offensive attack. And when they are going forward and working well with the, the wingers, then we are much, much better. And if we have are lacking one of those, like when uh, McQueen was playing against Palace, I think, I think we lack something going forward. And I think with Cedric not being able to maybe go forward as much, I think that that hurt us offensively. Yeah, I mean, that's that's up to Puel, and I think that's the defensive kind of mind he has compared to Kuman and Pochettino, who, I mean, you say that we need to keep our fullbacks back for to keep an eye on Sane and De Bruyne, but equally, you push Bertrand and Cedric forward, and the, their wingers have to think, hang on, I've got to keep an eye on them. It's just your mindset, isn't it? Right. It's whether you take the game to them, or you do what we did and sit back and counter-attack and... You know, I'm not nowhere near being a football coach, but um, <laughs> it's up to the professionals. But it's two different sides of the coin, isn't it? If we still had Kuman, I think it would have been a different, different game. Yeah, I I have to admit that I'm probably more of a, a defensive minded person overall. I would always be afraid of Sané running in behind. I would probably hang the fullbacks back, but I I do realize that you can you can watch how it played out. You know, it was it was pretty clear. You know, sometimes you just have to take that risk. But I want to say it was Luke Osman had written uh, on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere that, you know, if we go out and try to just go toe to toe with City, it probably doesn't go well either. And some people said, well, I'd rather I'd rather just do it and lose, you know, lose three one or lose four one or whatever or four two, than kind of sit back and still wind up losing three nil. You know? Yeah, this golf the golf of class at the end of the day it was it was half a billion pounds golf of class that was, wasn't it? You know. They got a strike force, which is probably worth kind of 150 million in Sane, De Bruyne, and Aguero, and there we are with Gabbiadini. So, um, no disrespect to Gabbiadini, but it's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if you, I mean, you you probably go position by position, and if you put it out to non-Saints and non-City fans, you know, if you just go position by position and say which one of these guys do you take, you know, other than maybe the fullbacks you know, we're, 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 we're going to be lacking in a lot of those areas, you know, I think, mm. but it's just, it's the way it goes. It's the size of the club. It's, it's a, it's that it's all of those things kind of come together. And, you know, on our day, like we saw last year, we can, to- we can beat them, but doesn't always happen. So, and, and it no. didn't. And goalkeeper as well. I'd take Forster over Bravo and I'm not oh, yes, Forster's yes. greatest fan, but <laughs> no, but Bravo has been absolutely awful. Yeah. Yeah. As, as bad as Forster has been, Bravo has been shocked. I think I read before the game on um, Saturday, he hadn't made a save since the 2nd of January, something like that. I know he hasn't played every game, but that fear still, that's, that's appalling. I wanted to say he like he had conceded from the last seven shots on target. And and that was when I was talking to the City fans before, they were, they were just, all you guys got to do is shoot. doesn't matter where you shoot from. And it's like, well, yeah, but we got to shoot. We got to be able to get into this position to shoot. And that it proved yeah. to be problematic. So There was no shot on target in the first half, was there? Don't no, believe. not from us. <laughs> um, the first half, you know, not a whole lot going on. Was that how was it uh, being in the stadium? 
for you guys? Was there, was it pretty, I mean, did, did it come across the same way and that I didn't really see a whole lot going on or? No, they, they came apart from the, the penalty call and the Tadic chance. That was pretty much it. They came with a game plan to slow it down. They played it along their back four so much. I, I'm not hundred percent sure on the possession stats, but I'm sure they had kind of 70, 80% of it in the first half because it was just going from full back across the back four to full back. It was, they took this thing out of the game because we had Redmond, who was probably our key with pace um, on the counter attack, and they just didn't give us a chance to do that. So credit to them. So, <laughs> yeah, no, they they had it was nearly seventy percent, like you said, uh, in the first half, which is just insane. That you know, because usually, Away from- yeah, because usually we like to to have the ball and we like to play it, you know, back to our center backs and and all that stuff, and we just there was no chance for us to do that. And, you know, city executed that pretty, pretty nicely, unfortunately. Yeah. It was a, a pep masterclass as the city fans would call it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first half ended nil, nil. Um, but we had three guys in the book, uh, and our two defensive midfielders, two holding midfielders were in there. And then Cedric who was on Sané. So that, like that to me was a, was a, a bit of a sign, a bit of a signal that like, you know, we might be, we looked fairly comfortable. We might be in some trouble with those guys being booked and, and stuff like that. But I don't really think it turned into anything too badly uh, in terms of bookings and stuff. And nobody got sent off or anything. But um, when we moved into the the second half, when City came out and when Southampton came out for the second half, did it did it, anything appear different to you? Like, did it look like you know one team had had a really good halftime talk and the other team didn't, or what was it? Well, City were out out from the tunnel kind of a couple of minutes minute maybe two minutes earlier than Saints and when that happens after seeing the first half you kind of think Pep's just gone in there and gone keep doing this and it will come and he was right when they I can't even think of anything anything that Puel could have said to the players because they just outshone us I mean substitutions probably didn't help but I can't I couldn't think of anything different it was it's frustrating to lose 3-0 at home, but you just can't take anything away from Man City at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know their their first scoring opportunity came about 10 minutes in to the half. Um, uh, the fullback had a good shot from distance that Forster was able to tip over the bar, and then from that ensuing corner, Company scored, and he went absolutely nuts. And then, now, was that that was in front of you, correct? Yeah, that's because he came at our end of the pitch, yeah. right? Because he came down and uh, well, now I have to ask you, what did that shot look like coming in from the fullback just before that? I mean, was I think that it was Navas, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yes. I don't know. It was one of them ones. I think Forster just had to be sure about it. Could have been going over. I haven't, I haven't seen any replays from the game. I've only I've only saw it, seen it live, and then after that, I haven't seen anything else. But I mean, it's it was straight down the middle, I believe. So he 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 couldn't risk letting it go in because. He's been slated enough this year. But, um, yeah, when then the result in corner is one of them things that the company is an absolute unit. He is a big, big bloke. And Yoshida didn't stand a chance against him. No, no. When I when I was talking to those, the City guys on Friday, they uh, because it was the Easter, the show before Easter for them, they were asking, you know, if you could resurrect one player from your team, and they were talking mostly to City and United. They were saying, if you could resurrect one player and insert them in the starting lineup, who is it? And somebody jokingly wrote in and said, like, Vincent Company for City, you know, because he hasn't played at all. Um, and they all they had a good laugh at that. And and But sure enough, you know, he comes in and 
you, you, you we we've talked about Yoshida and Stevens in, in 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 past shows doing better against guys like Aguero and doing being worse off against big guys like Rondon or or uh, or Zlatan or somebody like that. And Company kind of embodies that that body type. You know, he's a big dude, and he came in there and he just he just dominated Yoshida in the air. And and you know, you like to say Yoshida can do better or needs to do better, but really, how many people are going to be able to hold off Company consistently on on corners? That's it. Yeah, he's. I mean, past injuries aside, he's a before injuries. He was a world class defender, and you know he was scoring goals for fun when he, he was. I'm pretty sure over the season he had kind of six or seven. He's he's got form. So um, yeah, like you say, Stevens did well on Aguero. I think he's he for me was our best performer. I wouldn't say give any of the players in our team anything higher than a six out of ten though. But um. Yes, unfortunate, but yeah. Um, and I mean, looking back at the stats, they had eight corners. That means Yoshida did at least a decent job on on six or seven of them. So uh, you got to give him some credit. But and the header wasn't even all that powerful. You know, it was kind of down. Right, I think it skipped off the turf and kind of went sideways and got by Forster. But you know, so be it. That that's the goal. And then shortly after that, we had the subs. And I think that this is definitely a talking point. We have to something we have to talk about. Um, so we get Gabby Dini and Prowse off and on come long and Buffal. And I think we've seen this in the, in, in, in past matches where when you pull a guy like Prowse off the pitch, who knows his role and plays his role very, very well and is willing to track back defensively. And then you, you bring on Buffal for him. Now you have two creative players in Buffal and Tadic, but you maybe have, you're lacking the kind of defensive shape and structure that we had before. And I, I, I guess was it evident to you in in the in the stadium that that we had lost something defensively at that point, or it's happened a lot recently. He's been bringing Prowse off, and he's he's been playing out on the wide right, and he's not a natural winger at all. But he's played very very well there. His best football's been out there, and he's been subbed off quite a few times recently. And we have always looked worse when he comes on when he comes off. Sorry, and you're right with Buffon and Tadic. I've can't see both of them playing. I think the times I've seen Buffal play and play well, he's been in the middle of the of the three because he doesn't track back. Or he does, but half-heartedly, and that's not enough. Not enough at all. And yeah, Gabby Dini going off was always going to be a loss, but 60 minutes, he he needed to press and a groin injury, I think it was, and you can't you can't risk a groin because they can pop pretty easily. Yeah, and at this point in the season, you know, like like we, we kind of alluded to, I think before we were recording, you don't you don't want him to get injured seriously again. You know, you want him to be fit and you want him to have a good run in and this is his first game back from injury. So 60 minutes seems good. It seemed like a good chance to like, you know, City were starting to take it to us a little bit. Bring Long on, let him run at the back line. Let's see if we can get, you know, a goal back or something. But it it just didn't it didn't come together, you know, at all. No, I mean, Long was only on what 12 minutes. But he did exactly what he does, and he chased the ball down. I'm pretty sure that was a time he made Bravo panic. Yes, Bravo, Bravo was up by the corner flag, wasn't he? And then yeah. pushed it out. It landed at Hoiberg's feet, and I'm thinking, just get it towards the goal. <laughs> Have a shot, but then I've saw, seen it's Hoiberg and gone. You've tried this before. Pass it. Give it to someone else. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still remember the. Uh... The semifinal against Liverpool, where uh, Sims is making the run and Hoiberg's running out wide left, and and Long's on the other side of him, 
And it's just like, all right, Sims, you got one option and it's not, it's not Hoiberg, you know, it's not Hoiberg, give it to Long. So luckily he made the, the right call. Yeah, I love that video because you see Hoiberg go crazy. It reminds me of uh, years and years ago, Xabi uh, Alonso for Liverpool scored from the halfway line against Luton. And as he shoots, you see Gerard going mad at him, proper shouting at him, and then turns around and he's like, oh, well done. And that was exactly <laughs> the same situation. Hoiberg's like, what are you doing? And then yeah. Long scores and everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. And then, then it's just like, oh, can we edit that out? And it's like, nope. <laughs> but Twitter has you, dude. It's, it's too bad. Um, on, on 80 Minutes... Um, but I guess we have a couple things that happen. That city counterattack, I believe it was for their second goal. That that how did that look? Because that's coming at you. Um, could you see kind of the the passing lanes kind of open up, or was did it just all happen so fast that it was it was tough to to kind of make sense of what happened until unless you saw a replay? Because um, yeah. I, I think for me, sorry, it went from De Bruyne to Silva to De Bruyne to Sane, and then it's in, and then it was just like holy holy crap that that was that that shouldn't happen you know yeah i'm not sure how how it built up to de bruyne getting the ball out on the wing it because i've no idea where yoshida was or bertrand for that matter i don't know if it was a quick turnover but um yeah i mean once de bruyne's through cedric bless him bust a gut to do his best but you knew from then on it was it was going to be a goal it was frustrating but that's what happens when you've got absolute pace up top and it's probably at a point where one nil down we're trying to push for an equalizer because once you're one nil down you're losing aren't you you've got yeah. you've got to score from then on out so we we definitely we definitely were pressing more for a goal we had a lot of people in the offensive third um and i think the ball came out long and it was controlled by de bruyne back to silva and then silva just i think cut through us with that pass he kind of took out the midfield and the defense all with one pass and then from that point, it was just a foot race and nobody's beating Sané in that. So it, it, it looked, it looked pretty, I have to be honest. I watched it a couple of times and it, it looked, it looked really nice. <laughs> it was really nice football. Uh, too bad they're, they're wearing the wrong colors, but oh well. Um, and then after that, uh, Long, did you, did you see Long get caught by Otamendi or was that something that kind of went unnoticed uh, in, in the stadium? No. Yeah. Well, where we sit, we, everyone was talking about it because it, it looked like he got hurt and when he took him off, everyone was kind of confused. But then I'm not really sure because he, he said he was hurt, but I didn't see anything to like the physio say he needed to go off. It was it was confusing and a lot of people were not happy. I mean, after he took Gabbiadini off, people weren't happy. And then he took Long off after 12, 12 20 minutes, something like that. He yeah, was not like happy that. again. So, um, yeah, people were fuming. Yeah, and but did you see on? Apparently, t- it was miscommunication, wasn't there? It was. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, did you see on on Twitter? It looked like you could see the stare down, and then you can see the kind of. You, if you watch, Long comes off and he stops and just stares down at at Puel and and the, the rest of the coaching staff, and you can see. I think it's 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 Black is kind of pointing at the calf, and he's going like he's pointing at Long and the leg and all this stuff, and then kind of throws his hands up. Puel throws his hands up. Everybody's frustrated. Long goes down the tunnel. And I think I think at that point everybody's just all the frustrations from from that match are are coming out right then, you know, and it it, it definitely was some confusion, and that can't that that's unexcusable, in in my in my opinion, you know, you have to be able to get those things right. This is it doesn't seem that hard to ask, you know, are are you okay? <laughs> that's it. No, I mean, 
I'm not kind of anti-Puel, I'm not pro-Puel, I'm on the fence with him, but he seems to get on a lot of players' nerves because he's had a run in with Tadic. Now Uh this was Shane Long. You know, there's been a few things with J-Rod I've heard, so it's it's one of those things in it it's he's in his mind he's the boss and what he says goes and some players that I, I mean if i was shane long if i took off after 20 minutes after being subbed on i wouldn't be happy myself but um it happens so I yeah to move on from that hopefully they can talk about it get it sorted and he's not injured yeah and that, and i think that's the the good side is of this is that he's not hurt and if I mean, Puel's had a, the run-in with Tadic not not even very long ago, and it seems now that Tadic is kind of uh, until until Saturday had stepped up and was playing really well, and kind of like said, "Hey, like maybe maybe we can sort these things out off the pitch on the on the training ground or in the office or whatever," and then you know have Long come back and and be uh, a little bit better than he has been lately. But from from Long's perspective, I think he hasn't been playing well anyway, and then he comes on and gets subbed off, and that's that's almost embarrassing as a player, you know. And I think that's got to be part of his his reaction to stare down uh, the coaching staff like that is like that you know you don't do that to, especially at home to you know everybody knows I just came on the on the pitch and now I'm being brought off. Yeah, he's, it's probably a build up of frustration. I mean, he's had a compared to, he, he had a very very good season last year, and I think we've got that expectation of him now, and he's not living up to it, and he's probably got the expectation of himself, and it's not happening for him, and understandably he's frustrated. Yeah, yeah. Now, as the game was winding down, there has been some talk on Twitter. It seemed like a lot of the fans were, were leaving early. Was that evident to you in, in the stadium, or was that just something that I noticed on TV because the commentators drew attention to it, or what, what did it look like? Well, it, as, a, as a fan who sits next to the away fans, you are very quickly told if fans are leaving. Did they, the did they sing about it? Chant. Yeah, yeah, oh. constantly. And I mean, this was the worst I've seen in a long time for fans leaving. I I don't I don't leave until the final whistle was gone, never have, never will. Um that's just anything can happen in in a couple of minutes, can't it? So but yeah. yeah, it was it was very, very empty. Kind of by the time the whistle went, you're probably talking a third, if not less, of the stadium was left. Ah, that's by the full time whistle. No. So Okay, so I, I guess I have the the question. This is where we will divide opinion, uh, almost guaranteed. But like, what is that okay? Is that okay for people no. to leave? No. Well, no. But at the same time, people pay for their ticket. They can do what they want with it. If they want to leave early, they can leave early. But you have to think that the players see that we're probably a team with a lot of players low on confidence anyway. The last thing they want to see is fans walking out on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, I, I, I have to agree with you on that, on that point is that you're there, you're there to support those players. You're there to, you know, to, to you give, you bring them confidence when they don't have it. That's kind of, I think that's your role as a fan. You know, you got to be there when the players need you and they're there to, you know, entertain you, I guess, to a certain extent. But like, really, if, if you're a, a, a I don't want to say if you're a real fan, but if you're really there, you're you're watching the entire match and you're you're getting behind the team when they need you. You're playing a part. You want to you you know you're almost part of the team more so than a spectator. And to to get up and walk out like we wouldn't we would never allow one of our players just to go like eh you know five minutes left we're down I'm I'm going to the tunnel early you know I'm just leaving the pitch we would never allow that you know yeah exactly I mean and it's probably more 
prominent that it's happened now because the previous weeks the fans have been talked up so much by players. I know I've heard Redmond say how good the fans are. Puel said how good the fans are. And then to see that is kind of, it almost makes them eat their own words, doesn't it? That sucks. But, you know, we, we cannot control it, I guess. I guess we just have to to be there. And I, and uh, there was also some talk that for, for matches like City or some of the other big clubs, you get a lot of people who maybe don't normally attend the matches showing up. Do you think that played a role in it? Or Because you obviously don't know everybody that shows up to the matches, but um, did, it, did it feel like there were more people there that maybe were there just for the, uh, for the moment, for the weekend, because it was City? Or, or what, what did you notice? Not particularly, no. I mean, we, we hold kind of 32,000-ish. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure we've got kind of 23, 24,000 season ticket holders. So there's not much room for deviation on the type of fan anyway. And City, you, you tend to see it with United, definitely. When Man United come down, you see a lot of the, um, and Liverpool actually, a lot of fans coming down just to watch the team. Because where we sit, we've got some uh, hospitality boxes behind us and we're forever getting away fans in their boxes. So there's quite regularly a little bit of trouble um, from opposition fans, but not really on Saturday. I didn't get that at all. All right. Well, uh, you have any other any other thoughts on on the match, or is it kind of uh, you know where where maybe where do you think we, we go from from here? Well, unfortunately, our next game's Chelsea, isn't it? Which after um, after yesterday probably wasn't isn't the best time to play them because it's going to go one of two ways, isn't it? It's going to be um, they're on a poor form, or they're going to hit back with an absolute bang. I think maybe it's the perfect storm of in, in in a bad way in that Tottenham won and they looked pretty good and then Chelsea lost. And when I saw the team, to be honest, when I saw the team that Man United put out yesterday, when that came out, I was just like, there, there is no chance. And Mourinho is already thinking about his, uh, his excuses for getting his ass kicked here. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> they, they won. And I was like, what is going on? And so, yeah, like Conte and Chelsea will be, We'll be looking to get back on the winning side. Otherwise, that that could be down to one point. You know, that their their lead at the top of the table, and everybody a few weeks ago even had just said it's theirs and and it's almost over. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a double reason for, I want Saints to win on against Chelsea anyway, but I also am kind of wanting Tottenham to win the league just for my affections for Pochettino. Um, okay, I didn't like it when he left but i think he's proven to everyone that it was a good career move for him and you can't blame him for it he's produced a great team there isn't he so yeah and yeah no i don't think you can i don't think you can do you can't you can't be too upset most people given that choice are going to do it and at least i don't believe he said yeah you know i'll see out the rest of my contract and then leave and we all know somebody else who did that so yeah, the less said about that one, the better, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I can't quite say I want Tottenham to win the league because my best friend's an Arsenal fan, and I think you know we wouldn't talk if I said that. But either way, it's going. it looks like it's going to London. And uh, I honestly, I can't root for Liverpool to win it either. So, you know, there's no there's no real winning here for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's an Arsenal fan. That should be more reason for you to want Tottenham to win. Oh, I see. I don't know. I don't want to be too mad at me. I don't have. I don't have maybe all the friends in the world that can't afford to lose the one I do have. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you know, if we want, we can go. You want to go through and kind of look at the the rest of the fixtures and kind of see you know just how many points we think we're going to get from them, and then we'll uh, we'll do the same with West Brom and we'll see kind of where 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 that winds up because I think that's really the where we're at. I don't. 
we're level with Watford, but I'm just going to worry about us trying to go up. I'm not going to worry about us moving down too much. You, you want to go ahead and do that or no? Yeah, yeah, crack on. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Um, all right, so next match uh, is Chelsea away, and we don't necessarily have to do scores. I'm just going to write down the points that we think we're going to get. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I don't think we're getting any points from that. See, I'm going to go for a point. I think we can get a draw there. Okay. All right. Um, Hull City, what do you say? Oh, that's got to be three points. That's yeah. it's got to be three points. Yeah. And we uh, was looking at the fixture list. All of the teams we play from here on out, maybe save Stoke, have something to play for. They're either playing to yeah. get into the European places, they're playing to stay out of the relegation zone. And so that that's dangerous, you know, because we if we slack off at all, we could be in a in a in a bad way. And I, yeah, I think Hull could be a potential banana skin as well because their manager's done a great job down there in the Yeah. Um, let's see. Liverpool away. I'm gonna say we're gonna beat him again just to be a dick, but uh, Yeah, I'll go I'll, I'll go for that as well. Just just to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal at home. So I feel like I'm giving us too many points now, but I'm going to go for a win again. <laughs> win? I'm going to give us. I'm going to give us a, a, a draw. I think they're going to be struggling, but I'm, I'm, I'm unconvinced by our, our our ability to score so far. Uh, Middlesbrough away. I'm going to give us. A, I'm going to give us all three. See, so I'm going to go a point there. Just the one. Okay. Man United at home. Same again. One point. One point. I think I have to agree with you there. And then Stoke home. Last, I think, last match of the season. Oh, it's got to be a win for me. I'm moving down. I'm moving house next to the stadium the week before that game. So I need a, a good housewarming present from them. You're moving down to next to the stadium in St. Mary's or in yeah. Southampton. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So let's see. If we go through here, we get 41, 44, 47, 51, 2, 55 points for you. Uh Three, six, seven. Obviously, I'm not an engineer. 54 points for me, I believe. Um, so we're right there. And 53, 55 and 54 points, that puts us you know, two or three wins behind where we were last year. It is what it is. Um, so so we started on, on 40 points doing that because we have a couple of games in hand. West Brom are on 44, so let's go through and do their, do their, do their matches. And this will, will probably be way more inaccurate here because I don't really watch West Brom play unless I have to. Um, and I think, I think most of the world would agree with me. Um, what do you, uh, they're going to play Leicester at home. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them a point. What do you so think? I'm going to give them three there. You give them three champions league coming up, isn't it? So, Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, it's a big game for Leicester. and you have Burnley away and they have Burnley away. What do you give them? How many points do you give them West Brom there? Uh, none there. I fancy Burnley at home. That, that is true. Um, I, I agree with you. Man City away. I'm giving them zero points. I think City will be up for it. Yeah, zero as well. Uh, Swansea City away. I'll go for a draw there. Draw one in peace. Swansea could be fighting for their lives then, couldn't they? So. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I don't. It, it's basically can Gilfie Sigurdsson break them down? That's what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give them three. Just I think. I think, and that's more because I think they'll find a way to get a win out of one of these matches, and I think that's the most winnable one. Mm. Um, I don't see them getting anything from Chelsea on the last day of the season. What do you think? No, I don't either. No, because that could be a title decider, that couldn't it? So, 
I think <laughs> I think our bias is totally shown here, but uh, <laughs> we've given them four <laughs> points from the rest of the season, both of us. Uh, so that would put them on 48 points for both of us. And that means we would finish <laughs> comfortably above them. <laughs> it's probably going to be a little tighter than that. But <laughs> Hopefully it all works out. Hopefully. But I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep track of this uh, as, as we go through and we'll see kind of how we wind up. I'll, I'll shoot you a, a Twitter message with the, uh, with the uh, results by the end of the season. Be good. Yeah, that sounds good. I've been, I've been meaning to do this, but sometimes it's just like, man, I don't really know. You know, I don't want to be super wrong, but hey, like screw it. After the game, after the match we had, we got to do we got to do something to spice it up a little bit. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you could even go one step further and stick uh, stick a little uh, bet on that, couldn't you? We could. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to. Well, well let's. Let, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure how uh, PayPal works. Uh, <laughs> there's no. There's no. Well, I, may, well, I guess friends and family. We could just do friends and family. It's a total. Total. You know, there's no goods exchanging exchanging here. Um, yeah. Fair <laughs> but yeah. Well, you have anything else you'd like to to cover while we're while we're here? You mentioned something about Buffal and his effectiveness against City. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah. He is someone who has been slated big time this season, isn't he? Um, and I was backing him big time for the whole season, but after watching him, I don't think he's cut out for it. Um, and I think we should cut our losses on him. If I'm perfectly honest. Do you think? What do you think about that? Same thing, or this is the, this is where I'm just not cutthroat enough. Um, is like maybe he needs a little bit more time. But my biggest question is like I'm not sure Tadic and Buffal can play at the same time. You know, I think they're too similar. I think they deserve maybe to play that same position. And honestly, I just think Tadic works a bit harder, um, which isn't hard because Buffal doesn't seem to to track back at all a whole lot, and he doesn't seem like a very good team player. But I think he's got some some real good talent there i'm just not sure he is like you said i'm not sure he's cut out to to play in, in this system or maybe even in this in this league no some players just don't get it do they and i'm not not in a hundred percent agreement with the whole tadic working hard thing because sometimes i look he works hard on his terms when he wants to i think that's what especially in recent weeks that's what i found there's times where you're like just chase the ball or something do something and he just refuses to do so but you can't just rely on Tadic. Then we'd have to get someone else in. And then you think, who who do you bring in? We mentioned Sigurdsson earlier. He's a big one for me. You're going to be paying serious money for that bloke, aren't you? Yeah. And, and I think if you bring Sigurdsson in, it's 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 with the idea that he plays that position and then Tadic is the guy who comes in, comes in you know, uh, at, late on in the match to, to sub on for somebody. So I think maybe you'd be in that, that situation no matter which way you go, you know, and maybe it, maybe internally they have to decide Buffal has to be willing to either say like, this is my role or I'm going to try to take that role from Tadic, you know, um, and work for it or, or, or not. But, uh, I don't know. It's all that, that, that's the player management side of it. That is, 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 it has to be extremely difficult for not only for Puel, but for the rest of the coaching staff and the club in general. Yes. I mean, we have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, do we? I mean, I remember when we were in kind of league one championship days, uh, players used to say Guli de Prado was one of the best players in training. Then you'd see him on the pitch and he was a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it goes, isn't it? And you get players that I imagine there's players that don't train very well, but on the pitch they're phenomenal. It's just it's one of those things, isn't it? We'll see how we get. He might stay next season. He might need a preseason to get his fitness up because he came in with an injury. Right. And so you would almost think. I mean, he played in the French league, so that has to be where Puel had to have some idea of him before they got there. 
and you would think that would almost give him an advantage. You know, they're both coming in at the same time. It, they, you know, but it, it, he really hasn't seemed to, other than I think the one goal in the, was it the League Cup run, I think, that he had that was uh, just outside the area, just inside the area. He kind of curled that one into the corner. Like, other than that, I, you know, and a few good dribbles, that was, that was it. He's got the, he got the winner against Middlesbrough at home. Uh, okay. That was a that was a cracking goal. That one, I actually think that is my pinned tweet on Twitter. Um, but yeah, other than that, they are the only two things I could think of. And I love watching him. You know, you could not make a mermaid that bloke, couldn't he? But <laughs> he he does nothing with it at the other end. That is that is his biggest problem. No end product. Yeah, I, you watch him, and I just like you know this is this is Ozil or even you know a lazy Mares, just not. You know, we're not going to track back. We're not going to do that. And But when we get the ball, we'll be really nice, really fancy with it. But if you look at kind of how elaborate he tries to be on the ball versus what City did when they got it, they were just, they were kind of decisive. They weren't, you know, if you beat the guy the first time, you don't need to try to beat him again. You just get the ball in the area or you make the pass, you know? And for me, that was slightly frustrating late on. It seems like he a couple times got by the guy uh, around the fullback, but didn't like didn't put that ball into the box, didn't didn't really take the chance that was there to make a pass or whatever. And and for me, that's just super frustrating and wasteful. And when we're trying to get back into a game, you know, I don't really think we can afford that. No, I think that's the mentality of the players. I mean, City are a team of winners. They they want to win. They want to win trophies. And that's their main priority. I don't think that's instilled in Buffao especially, but many of our players, because we haven't won anything since the Johnson's Paint Trophy. We'll see how it goes. We might another cup run next season. Hopefully, we can go one better. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. All right. Well, we're creeping towards the the hour mark, so uh, I'd like to I'd like to thank you for coming on the show, and I appreciate uh, you doing the writing. I hope it continues to go well for you. And uh, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I'll say my uh, next one should be up in the next couple of days. Hopefully, it doesn't divide opinion quite as much as. The Davis Hoyberg, but we shall see. Ah, either way, man, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's if it's dividing opinion, that means people are reading it. Hopefully, they're not, true, they're, yeah. hopefully very they're true. not just reading the uh, the headline. Oh, I do have one one more question for you. It, okay. For the for the for the rest of your life, if you had the choice, would you rather have room temperature beer or room temperature soup or or, or stew? I have to go room temperature beer because I quite like soup. And I've done a lot of music festivals where I, I have no choice but to drink warm beer. So, <laughs> so um, I've kind of become accustomed to it now. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll listen to this tomorrow and go, no, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you'll listen to this tomorrow and go, why the hell did he leave that in there? Or like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Whatever. Well, uh, like I said, I appreciate your time. And... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you updated on the on the little uh, the points thing, and then uh, you know hopefully we we'll come back on uh, later on. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much. All right, no problem, man. Have a good one. Yeah, and you. Good luck. You too. Once again, we'd like to thank Connor Dunford for joining the show. You can find him on Twitter at Connor Dunford One. That's at C O N O R D U N F O R D in the number one. He writes for the Southampton panel and also for Saints Marching. And once again, links to all of those are in the show notes. You can follow the show on Twitter at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. That's at SFC Delivery. And we're now on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. That's forward slash SFC D E L L I V E R Y. No underscore 
in the Facebook address. Uh, so like the page, share the page, find a Saints fan who's maybe not on Twitter and introduce them to the show. And don't forget to subscribe to the feed in iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss an episode. I'd take this moment to thank all of you who are listening. The show, as I sit here and record this, is sitting at 1,999 downloads. And by the time you are hearing this, it will be over 2,000. Uh, and it took almost three months to get to 1,000 downloads. And that means that it took just 18 days or a few more episodes for us to get to 2,000. And that is a testament to you who are out there sharing the show and who are supporting the show. And I appreciate that uh, so much. So please continue to do that. And that will pretty much do it for this week. We will be back next week. Uh, of course, we do not play until Tuesday, so there'll be no game to talk about, but we will preview the game and hopefully have uh, an article or something to talk about uh, before that. I've reached out to a few people and we will see who gets back to me, but we will definitely be back next Tuesday with another show previewing the match against Chelsea. Uh, hopefully until then, uh, people stay fit, get healthy, and, uh, you know, we can put together a little bit more consistency on the pitch because we do have a fairly tough run in. Uh, as we mentioned during the, the conversation with Connor, all of the teams we play for, maybe save Stoke, have something to play for. They're either fighting for European places or to stay out of the relegation zone. So uh, we don't really have any any straightforward games, any easy games. Uh, everybody's going to be trying to do something. So we will see how that all goes. Uh, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to the feed in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss an episode. And thank you for listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. And until next time, Remember that together, we march on.